All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Welcome to Love It or Leave It Live or Else. If you have a Live or Else theme song, please email it to us at leaveit at crooked.com. You may have noticed that this is a hybrid episode. It is half live, half or else. Guy Branham joins me for the monologue. I have an interview with Senator Patty Murray on our shared favorite pet topic. Plus, we go to our live show to gossip with Solomon Giorgio. But first, he'll be at the Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia on January 21st and January 22nd. Get them while they last. And they won't last long. Please welcome returning champ, the one, the only. Star of stage and screen. It's Guy Branham. Thank you for having me. Thank you for plugging my dates. Please. Nothing brings me greater joy, all right, than to plug your shows. Let's get into it. What a week. What a week. On Monday, President Biden signed the $1 trillion infrastructure bill into law. Donald Trump must be feeling pretty bad right now based on his diet. (laughs) Just unrelated to the bill. House Democrats are preparing to vote on the larger $2 trillion spending proposal. This is, of course, better known as Infrastructure Bill, Taylor's version. Huh? Huh? You get it? You get it, Guy Branham? Do you see what's going on? Yes. Joe Biden also had a messy breakup from Jake Gyllenhaal, but he's responding to the situation by building America back better. Come on, Jake Gyllenhaal. Build back better. Do you think she ever got that scarf back? Did she want it back? No. Did she want it back? Steve Bannon was released from custody ahead of his contempt of court trial for failing to comply with the subpoena from the House January 6th committee. If there's one guy you can trust to show up because he legally has to, it's the guy you indicted for failing to show up when he legally has to. (laughs) You're a lawyer. That's just a good joke, though. That's really just a good good joke. I mean, it underlines the way that our democracy rests on having people who are kind of trying a little bit. Just a little bit. Just trying a little bit. Uh, When asked about former President Trump's level of accountability in the Capitol riot, Jacob Chansley, attorney for the QAnon shaman, said this. I tell him, you know what? You got a few fucking things to do, including clearing this fucking mess up and taking care of a lot of the jackasses that you fucked up because of January 6th. But my opinion doesn't mean shit. That is what that guy's lawyer said. And it begins my campaign to make attorney Jacob Chansley the next poet laureate of the United States. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You fucked up these people. It's true. It's true. There are a lot of problems with American jurisprudence, but um, treating white people who commit treason as naughty boys is, you know, really just one of those problems. How do we fix accountability? I don't know. 
We don't know. Here's the thing. We're not going to solve it here. And you don't have to because we don't know how. We don't know how. Meanwhile, the House voted this week to censure the world's worst dentist, Congressman Paul Gosar, over his weird anime video depicting the death of AOC, stripping him of his two committee assignments. This is the worst punishment over anime since Ronan gave me the cold shoulder for a week just because I said I don't get spirited away. (laughs) Oh, my God. Coming for fucking Miyazaki? I'm not. Here's the thing. I know that what I've just said is I've opened a box I can't close. And honestly, I would say like if maybe Princess Mononoke or something like that, but spirited away, it's about a nine-year-old girl who falls in love with a river. How do you not get that? (laughs) Maybe I wasn't in the right headspace when I saw it. And it was like, I know I I want, I, I need to see it again. I must try again to appreciate it because a lot of people I respect, I have told them I didn't really click with spirited away and they look at me not with like kind of funny haha we have different opinions but more like this is a shameful statement this is an embarrassing statement i mean i think everyone's taste is everyone's taste and i respect that but also there's so much to love in miyazaki and it's maybe the most lovable and so i do think maybe Hey, hey, I had to fucking start Fleabag four times before I like it hit right. But when it hit right, it was really good. Yeah, maybe it's my, I think um, Spirited Away is my Fleabag. While railing against Gosar's censure on the House floor, Lauren Bobbert called Elon Omar the Jihad Squad and said this. The Jihad Squad member from Minnesota has paid her husband, and not her brother husband, the other one, over a million dollars in campaign funds. This member is allowed on the Foreign Affairs Committee while praising terrorists. In response, Omar retweeted a video of Bobbert's ravings and replied, Luckily, my dad raised me right. Otherwise, I might have gone to the floor to talk about this insurrectionist who sleeps with a pervert. I am grateful I was raised to be a decent human and not a deprived person who shamefully defecates and defiles the House of Representatives. My dad had raised me to go absolutely fucking ape shit. Anyway, I choose to read shamefully defecates and defiles the House as independent thoughts that, yes— Bobbert is making a mockery of our legislative grants, but also Bobbert destroyed the ladies' rooms in the Capitol. As Emily Heller would say, it was a total paint job. <laughs> the thing is, what Elon Omar is saying is that Bobbert wrecked, wrecked the toilets just outside the cloakroom, just destroyed them. Let's be fair. I mean, the third district of Colorado, known for its green chili. It's a good, good point. That can be it's a, a rough point. play through the gastrointestinal tract. If you're wondering what uh, the sleeps with a pervert bit is about, Bobbert's husband, Jason, was arrested in a bowling alley in 2004. After two women said he exposed himself, he was arrested again just days later and pleaded guilty to a domestic violence charge. Nothing ruins a girl's night at the bowling alley like two of the worst things in the world being flashed by a guy named Jason and finding out it's Jason with a fucking Y. He spells it with a Y, guy. Yikes. I mean, is that some degree of internalized homophobia, John? I would say that, like, we bear some ownership for Jasons with Ys. Um, yeah, well, it's sort of like the um, the ideological chart that meets, you know, the the horseshoe. Yes, you know no. that like gay people and people who hate gay people are sort of the most likely uh, to be named Jason or Brock. That's true. Yeah, you could get a Brock in there. On Wednesday, 
The Massachusetts Senate unanimously passed a bill that would guarantee annual mental health wellness exams at no cost to Massachusetts residents, similar to annual physical exams. Sadly, being from Boston remains an incurable mental disease. (laughs) There's palliative care available, but there's no cure. They can ameliorate some of the symptoms, but not the underlying condition. How can that state be that progressive, that terrible, all at the same time? <laughs> I think it has to do with whatever the opposite of intersectionality is, is the answer. I don't know what the opposite is. Beto O'Rourke raised $2 million on the day he announced his decision to run for governor of Texas, which his campaign touts as the most money raised by a Democratic gubernatorial candidate in the first 24 hours of his or her campaign. And if we get him to $4 million, he promises he will not do a Vanity Fair cover again. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to all of the things that he's going to squat on top of during the course of his campaign. The state of Texas is so big. Will he squat on top of a cactus? Hmm. Will he squat on top of a like an oil derrick just off the Galveston coast? I bet. Who not? can know where we're going to see those thighs? Those thighs are going to go to every county. You know, <laughs> you can bank on it. On Wednesday, Apple said it will finally allow customers to repair their own iPhones, even providing the tools and instructions to do so. The only catch is that the instructions are printed on the back of the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) (laughs) No, in fact, the tool is a bag of uncooked rice, and the instruction is, be my fucking guest. (laughs) Here's the thing, guy. We kid, but I'm really looking forward to buying a $199 space gray screwdriver. (laughs) Very excited about that. (laughs) Meanwhile... Unfortunately, according to the Wall Street Journal, the price of fuel has jumped by 59% and gasoline 50% over the last 12 months, with used cars and trucks costing 26% more and new cars and trucks 10% more than at the same time last year. Fortunately, the price of VCR cleaner hasn't been impacted because it does such a good job of keeping the pipelines open, guy. (laughs) Do you know that there's a kind of Baroque development inside of Love It or Leave It, which is that we must do a popper joke every single week. That's beautiful. We missed one by accident, but we made up for it with two the following week. I'm really proud. And that's the kind of representation I am looking for. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it keeps the pipelines open. (laughs) It protects its own supply chain, you see. Yes. Scientists discover that bees, when confronted with hornets or other enemies, are able to generate a human-like scream with their bodies. Listen, bees, our culture is not a costume, okay? (laughs) Madonna's former Miami home is being sold for $32 million by Gunter VI, the great-grandson of a dog who inherited it as part of an $80 million inheritance from a German countess. This isn't the worst thing a German has ever done, but it's up there. Um... Also, is this or is this not a Ryan Murphy series? I'm not clear yet. (laughs) I want to say leaving like a house to a dog is an extremely complex process. And now I just sort of want to go through the paperwork. You know, know, guy, I'm glad you brought that up. I had the exact same reaction, which is talk to me about the legal implications of what it means for that dog to receive property because that dog is also property of what presumably the estate. So what exactly does it mean for the dog to inherit the land? You have to create a trust that benefits the dog, but also anytime you leave stuff to anyone, it has to vest within a life and being plus 21 years, but a dog, any animal, like the law behaves as though we can't know how long they would live. 
So the dog's life can't be the thing that it matters by. So how one of the people who is related to that German countess wasn't able to fuck up that will and get the money for themselves? Because a person can sue, but a dog or Brittany during her conservatorship, not allowed to sue somebody. But you also can't sue a dog. No, but you sue the trust. The trust. Right. So given that the, the house, is, it sounds like, is in the control of the dog's progeny. Yes. Then the trust must have been not just for that dog, but there must have been some breeder involved. Yes. That was responsible for reproducing the dog. Because, by the way, we need to verify that Gunter the Sixth is actually the heir to the Gunter, I guess, the second's fortune. Oh, my God. Or the third. Like getting a DNA test so that owners of the other puppies can be like, no, no, no. My puppy is the heir. I mean, that's a fascinating situation. And I'm saying yeah. uh, also a solid pitch. I would say um, this probate situation, pretty rough. <laughs> oh, John. Oh, John. Thanks to Guy Brannon for being here. <laughs> When we come back, we gossip with Solomon Giorgio. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Pushing it down. <laughs> Pushing it all the way down. Getting it real down deep in there. Squish it. Squishing it. Squishing it real tight. Fighting through it. Gotta fight through it. Skinny jeans are for dads. Fight it. You fight it. You push it down. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Not me. Not me. I'm running on rails. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Uh, I said to my therapist just yesterday, I just feel like I don't have the 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 attention span right now to focus on some of these longer term issues. And she's mm. like, you found a way to say that every session for the past five years. <laughs> if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Everybody needs therapy. You need therapy. I need therapy. Tommy needs therapy. Mm. We all need therapy. Mm -hmm. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love it. And we're back. There's been unending COVID news and Biden's legislative agenda feels like it's trapped in the congressional equivalent of a corn maze. Like that movie In the Tall Grass. Did any of you see the movie In the Tall Grass? Anyway, like the movie In the Tall Grass. <laughs> I'm a little worried they won't stick the landing. Really helps if you've seen the movie In the Tall Grass. Ronan, remember when we watched In the Tall Grass? Yeah. <laughs> Ronan's here. We watched In the Tall Grass together. Hey, Ronan. <laughs> Don't wave. It's my show. <laughs> the point is... We need some hot goss to warm up this chilly news environment. Joining me now for a segment we're calling Other People's Business is a person who loves to talk behind people's backs and in front of them and is launching a podcast about gossip this winter. Please welcome back to the show comedian Solomon Giorgio. Hi, Solomon. Hi, John. Thanks for being here. I'm very happy to be here. I'm excited, as a matter of fact. <laughs> So I read a Slate article by a writer named Lily Loofborough about mm -hmm. John, it's called John Mulaney and the Great Celebrity Sympathy Overcorrection. And at root, basically, I think that there is this recognition 
especially as we kind of have this cultural look back at the 90s, <laughs> that we like that there was gossip and attacks on celebrity that were often misogynistic, yes. that were unfair, that dehumanized people. But that at the same time now, you kind of see a like an overcorrection that seems to reflect the kind of like parasocial relationships that yes. people are having because of their ability to connect and see the lives of the kind of big time celebs they used to watch. What do you think about that? I, um, <laughs> oh, the whole concept of it? Um, <laughs> I, well, first of all, I just learned what parasocial meant. Um, well, like, do you think, like, basically, there is this kind of pulsating desire on the part of the internet to gossip yes. about this John Mulaney, yes. Olivia Munn situation, and then you see a lot of kind of requests that, like, this is ugly, this is tawdry, he is somebody in recovery. Like, how do you think about, like, sympathy versus... Wait a second. It's, like, I feel like the relationship people have with celebrities is um, terrifying. Uh, <laughs> because it's, uh, w like, I feel like there's an overfamiliarity. You don't, if you don't really know the person, you can't really figure out everything about them. But also, it's really hard to not want to gossip. I personally uh, am more invested in everybody else around me than I am in celebrity gossip. Because uh, <laughs> that's like the idea of your podcast, right? The idea of what you want to yes. talk about is like, you want to talk about like local gossip. Um, for me, I am a fan of what is going on at a retail store in the middle of <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, I want to know who's fucking who there. And... <laughs> In the walk-in, most likely. Uh, <laughs> like, that's, like, the kind of stuff that I've always been interested in uh, is... I feel like the, the more small-scale the situation is, uh, and the more... The, like, the less people it affects, the more I want to know about it. <laughs> and the more people I want to tell. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's something innate as a gay man in the world where you want other people's business to be out instead of your own. <laughs> especially. Totally. Uh, when you're closeted, then you're like, all right, everybody else's business is about to be blasted before mine does. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's also, like, these new social media, like, Demois, that's, like, mm -hmm. a kind of effort to, like, treat big-time celebrity gossip like small-town gossip. Yes. What do you think about that? I just don't know why we need to care so hard about these things, because it's so out of touch to what we're doing. It's not like a, it's not almost, like, the problems almost aren't that real. It's right, like, right, it's like, right. You're, like, how, you're not doing that. You're not, you're not, like, we're not going to those rehab centers. Like, there's, there's our fancy. Uh, we like, it's, they're, they're being treated well. Like, it's they're not, they're not. It's not half a prison like the real ones are. <laughs> it's, it also like seems like I, I feel like there's this effort from like Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly to like generate gossip by taking these quote outrageous end quote pictures to kind of get people buzzing. It feels so forced. Like they're trying to get something going. Like why won't people talk about our sexy photos? I'm naked and you're holding a hairdryer like a gun or something. You know it's, what I mean? It's for me, it's the way gossip, celebrity gossip now is so staged and like set up and paparazzi is called ahead of time. That's why it's no longer interesting to me. Like my reality show, I stopped writing reality shows right around the Jersey Shore when weird stuff happened impromptu. Like, everything is like, everyone's like, oh, we're just going to have a meeting and a dinner, and everything's coming. Like, that's not the stuff that I want. I want something to be messy, real, and the camera barely missing it. That's... Yes. <laughs> there, was a, there was that moment where um, somebody punched the little one in the face. <laughs> what, what was her name? <laughs> Snooky. I, want, I almost said Stussy, like the brand. <laughs> That felt very real. Like, the camera was like, 
like there, this is real life happening yeah. here. And isn't there something going on right now with a, a housewife of Beverly Hills that was arrested on camera? Isn't that ongoing? I. Salt Lake City? Okay, wow. Wow. Jen Shaw, I know that one. I know a little bit. I, I've heard, it's, yeah, she's Jen Shaw. She got arrested for a real thing. Uh, and like it happened on camera? I think that's cool. It's like first season of Survivor <laughs> stuff. Like these people don't know how to be on television yet. <laughs> you want to watch a reality show where people don't know it's going to be on TV. Like season three of Drag Race, of which I'm now an expert, <laughs> it's as if they didn't know it would be aired. By the time you get to season seven, they're like, they're clocking the cameras. Oh. They come with pre-existing narratives. Like in episode one, someone's like, anyway, yeah, so that's, that's the story about my mom. And then somebody from like across the way is like, did somebody say mom? Tears story. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that, the other scene is like somebody mentions their mom, the other one across from be like, fuck your mom. That's the kind of reality show. Yeah. I'm the villain. <laughs> well, in the spirit of Solomon's love of personal petty gossip, yes. what our producer Brian Semmel called hairdresser gossip because he's either a second-wave millennial bisexual or a 75-year-old Jewish woman from Boca Raton, <laughs> we would like to open up the forum to the crowd. We would like to hear some gossip that you'd like us to share, and, and we can talk about it and discuss it. No names, no identifying information. I do not want to be sued by Army <laughs> Hammer again. Fully anonymous, please. <laughs> And also, the more local and weird it is, I'm happy I am to hear it. Hi, what's your name? Oh, I don't want to say it. Oh, oh say okay, it. Yeah. start again, don't, start again. Yeah, you know okay, what? Okay. You're right. We'll catch it. So perfect. What's, what's your exactly not right. real name? What, <laughs> uh, give yourself a fake name and then tell us the story. Judy. Judy? Judy. Sure. Okay. Hi, Judy. You could have gone. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, I have a friend who is a compulsive liar, and there were multiple text threads where we all compare the different stories this person has told us. And this person is currently not in LA, but we're all getting different versions of different things. So we're all kind of like getting ready for when they return. Oh. Wow. Can you uh, anonymize, but give us an example of a lie that's like the lie, but not the lie? <laughs> Find something parallel to it of oh. similar scale. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat. Is that too, too hard a question? <laughs> they had sex with their partner. Uh huh. And it's unclear how it went. <laughs> wow, that is that is wow, mysterious that is, and interesting. Is. What do you think of that? I felt like there might have been a crime at the end of that one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> We have a, a congenital liar who <laughs> had something that was like sex with their partner. Yes. Okay. Okay. Any more gossip out there? <laughs> oh, we have over here, on the, over here on the right, Brian. Hi, give yourself a name and then share some gossip. Hi, I'm Lisa. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. <laughs> That's Lisa. Um. <laughs> Perfect. Uh -huh. I couldn't think of anything. I'm sorry. So I went to a music festival last weekend with a bunch of my friends, the first one since the pandemic, and one of my friends who is in a relationship spent a lot of the time on some of the sites like Grindr and Stiffies, which I didn't know was a thing till last weekend, <laughs> and like found a guy who drove him home to our place and like took his pants off in the car. And our friend like couldn't do it and was, was like trying to get laid all weekend even though he has a boyfriend. Ooh. Not uncommon. Uh, 
very real, and I love those tails. Try to take the pants off. And I just found out car. about sniffies too, and I've been gay for a long time. <laughs> sniffies or snuffies? It's, it's like it's I've, I've not done it yet, but I've been told it's like it's like a more it's even more of a hookup situation than grinder. What is more? They literally tell you exactly <laughs> where the person is. is it <laughs> they give you cross streets and no, but it's yeah, it's very intense. What's it it's an app or is it just like a hole it's in the wall? It's an app somewhere? situation. It might as well be. It is truly the glory <laughs> hole of apps. <laughs> there was um I remember when um I think it's called squirt.org rolled out. <laughs> <laughs> and I just it's so and I just remember somebody like like, mom, I got the job, <laughs> the marketing job, the one I, the one I was really excited about. Where it doesn't matter what it is for, <laughs> it's a really exciting opportunity. It's exactly the role I've been looking for. The company's name doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't think it's Squirt.org. <laughs> it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's for profit. <laughs> Anybody? Any more gossip? Come on. Hi. What's your name? My name's Rebecca. Okay. Uh, my brother and one of my very best friends had a one-night stand, and they think that I don't know, but everybody <laughs> knows, and I know. <laughs> Thank you. How, uh, <laughs> How does that make you feel? Uh, fine. They're both great people. I think it's really funny that they're really trying to keep it a secret from me, but I, I think it's fine. You should just say that to them. <laughs> I kind of like that they think that it's a secret. They're like they're keeping it from me. I but. love that. I, <laughs> I I like playing with when I'm the person that knows. I like messing with both people. Like we're like I know, and they're like, know what? Like you know, and they're like they're about to say it, and I'm like, actually, I don't know anything. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> Why do you think they think you'll be hurt in some way? This was a couple years ago. And so it's been a couple years that they've been hiding it from me. But <laughs> um, they're both in, like, long-term relationships now with other people. <sighs> like, it was truly just a one-night stand. And I don't know. They're both secretive people, I guess. Wow. Do you think it's that they worry that you'll in some way feel as though the intimacy you have with them individually is violated by them creating a th another kind of intimacy outside of your relationship with wow. them? <laughs> On some subconscious level, maybe. <laughs> okay. Now we're getting to you. <laughs> As a person. <laughs> and what are you projecting to the world that makes them afraid of that? <laughs> Let's do one more. One more out there. Hello. Hi, what's your name? Roosevelt. Ro it's Roosevelt. <laughs> I like that her fake names have been Judy, Rebecca, Lisa and Roosevelt. <laughs> cool. I respect it. I think it's great. What's your uh, what's your hot goss? Cuz I can't give my name cuz this is like pretty hot goss. <gasps> so, I know this couple that um, they like to have, let's say, extracurricular activities, but together, like let's say it's intramarital activities. Um, they've been trying to have a baby and it's not been going. But so they had an activity, and the uh, partner that they uh, experienced it with did get pregnant. <laughs> Roosevelt! 
But uh, they don't know. What? That is gossip. That is some real and genuine small town oh. hot goss. Thank you so much. You are a hero? <laughs> oh my God. Wow. That when is... I heard intramarital activities, I was just, we're going to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm just going to have to sit with that one. That's a real situation. And they don't know. The, the intramarital couple doesn't know about the extramarital ongoing. No, it would be awful for them. Because they really, really are trying. And uh, the, the third is not. <gasps> wow. Roosevelt. How, yeah, Roosevelt, you're really in the middle of this. You got a lot of angles into this whole situation. You're, you're, you're the omnipotent narrator. A lot of access. A lot of, a Look, lot of let me just... I may have been one of the thirds at a certain point. Whoa! <laughs> Roosevelt! 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 Wow. That is incredible. Incredible gossip. Freaking out. Why, you're my favorite president. <laughs> this is why we need Solomon's pod. This is very exciting. I, I yes, it's, it's been very fun, the stuff I've been learning, and I am very excited to share it with the world eventually, soon. And it's, I feel very bad that I don't give my own gospel away sometimes. <laughs> Give it up for Solomon, Georgia. He'll be back for Hot Takes. That was so much fun. Thank you so much. When we come back, another segment. My oh my, that was some hot goss. Let's keep talking about scandalous bad decisions like daylight saving time. My interview with Senator Patty Murray is next. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Joining us now, she is the senior senator from Washington State, and she thinks time's up for standard time. Please welcome Senator Patty Murray. Senator, thanks for being here. Great to be with you. I want to talk about the policy, then I want to talk about uh, your plans to help make it happen. So you uh, and Senator Marco Rubio have introduced the Sunshine Protection Act. I prefer to see it as your initiative, personally. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What would it do and why do you want states to shift to permanent daylight saving time? There's a thousand reasons, but first of all and foremost is it's crazy that every fall we interrupt everybody's sleep schedule. Nobody knows what time it is for weeks on end after that. And it's dark at 430 in my state um, for four months. That, that's crazy. But there's a lot of really solid reasons for this as well. 
Um, we know that depression is less. We know that people do more exercise. We know that people do a lot more activity. There's a lot of really solid reasons to do this. But to every parent in the country who's had to explain to their two-year-old that they have to sleep an hour longer every November for weeks on end, this just makes sense. This has been tried relatively recently. The whole country did switch to permanent daylight saving time in the 70s most recently. And then the country switched back. What Why? You... <laughs> well, in part because there are certain parts of the country where that means the sunrise in the winter uh, is pretty late. <laughs> you don't care. I don't. No. <laughs> so... Why do you prefer the whole country switching to permanent daylight saving time as opposed to simply amending the Uniform Time Act to allow states like Washington to choose permanent daylight saving time and let other states do whatever they want? I'm fine with that approach. And there's another way we're looking at doing this as well. Um, and that's a little complicated, but it works. And that is if all the governors on the West Coast, which would be Washington, Oregon, Idaho, along with British Columbia, who's ready to do it as well, would petition the Department of Transportation to allow us to become Mountain Standard Time. And if we did that and not choose to switch time, we would be actually on daylight savings time all year. Right, right. So you would basically, the legislature would pass a bill that moves you back to permanent standard time. We and wouldn't have to pass any legislation. If the governors from those states just petition to change to Mountain Standard Time, the Department of Transportation, Buttigieg, right now mm -hmm. can grant that, and then they switch to Mountain Time and then choose to stay on Mountain Standard Time, which is actually daylight savings time for us. So we just stay on, quote, daylight savings time, which is actually where we want to be. And have you heard anything back from uh, Secretary Pete about this, about the idea of fast-tracking this change? Yeah, well, so I actually just wrote a letter with Senator Wyden from Oregon and Senator Padilla from California to Pete Buttigieg asking him if the governors petition him from those three states, would he be willing to do this? So, yeah, we're looking at all options here. Right. And just so people understand, basically what that would mean is because the mountain time is an hour ahead, mountain standard time is basically daylight saving time for the West Coast. Now, don't you also need what happens with Idaho? <laughs> because if you do this and Idaho, isn't there a possibility that there's some um, uh, funky time happening when you go from Washington to Idaho to Montana? There could be. I'd love Idaho to join us. That's fine. But it's a small part of Idaho. And by the way, people change states and time zones all the time when they travel. Yeah. They'd figure it out. So what do you think of my proposal, which is just to amend the Uniform Time Act? You can do it one of two ways. One is you can, I think basically what you have recognized and written about is that the time change itself is really dangerous, right? It causes heart attacks. Uh, it causes traffic issues. It causes all kinds of health issues. So time changes themselves are, are not a good idea. But basically, you can do one of two things. One would be to simply amend the Time Act to give uh, states the option to choose permanent standard time and leave people to switch or to stay in standard time year round if they wish, but give states like Washington, California and others the option for permanent daylight saving time. Or you can simply give every state a period of time in which they have to choose, right, where they want to be in daylight saving time or standard time. I'm willing to look at any of those options. The legislative ones where we have to get 60 votes in the Senate are hard, as you well know. 
um, right. because then you got to get everybody on board. Um, but I'm I'm working on that. I'm working with a number of other senators, and I will say this: we're going to look at every option to try to get a vote on this. I'm looking at the National Defense Authorization, which we're going to in the next few days. That's an opportunity to offer this amendment. Well, because if you do do permanent daylight saving time across the country, that does require buy-in from every single senator for a change in a lot of states, right? That's basically saying we want to make this change universal. If you do it so that states just have the option, then, you know, senators from states that might be in the western edges of their time zone or northern states that might be a little bit more reluctant to have those very late sunrises in the winter, it wouldn't affect them. Like states like Wisconsin and Michigan, others could choose whatever time zone they wanted. Yeah, the, I mean, I think that's an approach that sounds reasonable to me. I'm just saying, let my state do what we want to do. And if every state wants to go that route, we'll give them that option. How can we help get this done? Because I think, look, what we're calling today the Lovett Plan, I think is really strong. Uh, and I'd like to merge the Murray plan and the Lovett plan and help lobby. What can people listening do? Because I think this, I like, this is the kind of issue where there's no ideological problem, there's bipartisanship, there's no cost in the out years, there's positive health implications. It just seems like something we should be able to get done, right? And give relief to people so they don't hate November. So how do we do it? How do we how do we help make sure this happens in the next year? I would suggest to anybody who's listening who agrees with you and I that this is a ridiculous thing that happens to us every year, um, who hates having to figure out where all the clocks in their house are and which ones automatically went and which ones didn't, who deal with a child who, you know, all of a sudden is up at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, um, then let your member of Congress know that this is a simple, wonderful thing that they could do is to simply allow us to pass this law. Um, now, do you think the fact that I'm sitting in front of wallpaper that is not real books, did you know they were fake books and did it lend me an air of credibility? I was going to just assume you hadn't read them all, but I didn't know they were fake. <laughs> Uh, Senator Patty Murray, uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, she is leading the charge in the Senate to get rid of. Please help me. Get rid of the time change. The circadian switcheroo is what I've been branding it. Thoughts? Yeah, I think that. I mean, you can brand it whatever you want. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Uh, and on that note, Senator Patty Murray, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. And we're back. Before we close the show, we're going to end. I want to take a couple questions from the audience, and then we'll end with a couple high notes. Does anybody have any questions on any topic? <laughs> Hi, what's your name? Uh, Tara. Tara, what's your question? Who is your favorite celebrity and why? Ronan, who's my favorite celebrity? <laughs> it's Machine Gun Kelly. I will say this about Machine Gun Kelly. You can project an air of, I don't give a fuck what you think, and I don't care about anything, and I just gotta keep it real and be this cool, hip guy that does whatever I want and is a little bit grungy and whatever. Or you can get an extensive and truly excellent hair transplant. <laughs> but if you're over here, it means you care a lot. <laughs> I see, not ready for that conversation. <laughs> um, my favorite celebrity is. What's the real answer, Ronan? What is it? I'm so fucking nervous. Wait, he has the mic. Brian, we talked about this. Guests don't get to hold the mic. John Lovett's actual real 
favorite what celebrity. What are you going to say? You think very carefully about who Norm you go. Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald. Oh, I did love Norm McDonald. Honest to God. I might have gone with the Dalai Lama or something, but you know, <laughs> Norm's good too. I do love, I did love Norm McDonald. There was a refusal to do it the way other people did it and a kind of bravery in that that I think is very smart and cool that is hard to emulate, but I think is amazing. That's a good answer. Thank you, Ronan. Do you have any questions for me? Many. We'll talk later. <laughs> Hi. What's your name? Hi. Hi. Uh, do you still have an e-bike, or did you give it up when you moved to L.A.? That's a great question. Do I have an e-bike, uh, or did I give it up when I moved to L.A.? Actually, technically, I gave it up when I locked it at 17th and M, but thought I had locked it at 15th and L, and then thought it had been stolen, and then winter happened, and then it got snowed in and ruined, and then I had to unlock it and bring a bented, rusted e-bike back to my house. But by then, I'd already gotten a, a non-e-bike that I was using all the time, and then I brought that non-e-bike to Los Angeles, and then I rode my, my regular bike on the streets in Los Angeles for five minutes, and I thought, well, either I die this way or I choose another way. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> because like I loved biking around the District of Columbia but in LA there is a kind of animosity towards uh, the two-wheeled community that is um, it shocks the conscience uh, we're, it, the dehumanization that happens it's like I didn't invent this traffic and I'm not why you know what the most dangerous time to be on a bicycle in the city of Los Angeles is I'll tell you what time it is 8.53 a.m. Because everyone on the road cannot get to where they're going to be ready at 9. You know what I mean? Like 8.53, if you include parking, walking to wherever you have to go, putting down your shit, you're not going to be on time for what you have to be doing at 9 a.m. Being on a bike at 8.53 is the scariest fucking shit in the world. I will never do it again. It haunts my nightmares. Next question. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? My name is Matt. Hi, Matt. What's your question? Uh, I'm wondering how Drag Race is going. How Drag Race is going? Thank you so much for asking. Um, so I have the zealotry of the, of the convert. I mean, it's really intense. Uh, since I started watching Drag Race about an hour ago, I have now watched season three, season four, season five, All Stars one, season six, season seven, All Stars two. We're about to start season eight. And when I tell you that Drag Race is going great, I fucking love Drag Race. I would, I would jump in front of a bus for Jinx Monsoon. And I, I love Bianca. Love Bianca. Huge fan of Bianca. Obviously, I have a kinship with Bianca. There's an angry, there's an angry shared kind of quality that I, that I appreciate greatly. I worry about Vilachoshki's waist situation. That seemed very uncomfortable. I don't like all the cinching. I think there should be less cinching. I want to find out what happened with a door in All Stars 2. I'm very upset about what Michelle did, because I was not done with a door. And also, my drag name is Antivax. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Let's do one more question. Hi. Hi, what's your name? Zoe. Zoe, what's your question? How long does a show need to be out for it to be okay to give spoilers on Twitter? That is such a great question. How long does a show have to be out before it's okay to give spoilers on Twitter? I think there's a hard rule and there's a soft rule. Here's the hard rule. You cannot spoil any part of a season while the season is still airing. 
because some people like to binge and that ought to be respected. That you should be allowed to save up the episodes. And two, there is a natural rhythm to online conversation about a show. And as long as that is at a kind of semi-fevered pitch of dialogue and discussion, it is rude and wrong to issue spoilers into the void. But once that conversation has subsumed, once the kind of moment where the group is discussing the show together, then it starts to be okay. However, while it is, I think, morally acceptable, it isn't often nice. Something to think about. And I will say that one of my great regrets, one of my great regrets is I really callously issued a Game of Thrones spoiler. I can't believe I did it. I really think about it because I care about spoilers. Do you remember when I did that? That was, what was I doing? It was, I, I don't want to do it again. Do we think I can do it? Sunday night, this is a spoiler, Game of Thrones airs. And we discover something brand new, ice dragons. And then on Monday morning, I made a reference to the appearance of ice dragons. Reprehensible. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi. Hi, what's your name? My name is Dylan. Dylan, what's your question? My question is, how do you deal with existential dread? How do I deal with existential dread? That's such a good question. Thank you for asking. And good news, I'm the one who cracked it. Uh, <laughs> so it's a good time to ask, because I actually, A, am the only person who knows the answer, and B, literally just figured it out in therapy. Um, so this is a big deal, actually. This is actually big. No, here's what I actually think, which is, I find that when I'm in my moments of greatest existential dread, they're also the moments where I'm looking inward and most concerned about how I get out of thinking about my own existential dread and my fears about my flaws and my failures and my buffoonery and the fact that at any moment I'm about to be found out. And even if I'm not found out, even if I make it to the end of the life without anyone actually figuring out that I'm 100% a fraud, it will have come to nothing and we enter the world alone and we die alone. And no matter what we do, no matter how fast we run, no matter how much money we make, how much acclaim we get, how many things we do, how many plaudits we get, it doesn't fucking matter because in the end all there is is nothing and then nothing comes for us all. What I find <laughs> is that there is no solution to that inside and I find that I think about it less when I stop trying to solve it and I look outward and I just stop worrying so much and try to kind of fake it till I make it and see my friends even though there are moments where I kind of am a little bit dark and think of them kind of like a Netflix option. Like, should I watch this or should I go see Spencer? You know what I mean? <laughs> because they feel a kind of a sense of disconnection. Spencer is real. He's a real person and he's a dear, dear friend. Though he did call me at 7.43 tonight and said, what are you doing tonight? And I said, <laughs> and I said, hey, best friend, I'm about to do a live show. And he goes, oh, right. I totally forgot that you do that. And I find if I fake it long enough and stop thinking about it long enough and take little joys in the things that I'm doing outside of the dread that's always there, all of a sudden, I don't have the dread. You know? How's that? 
fucking Spencer. What a prick. I gave him my PS5, too. <laughs> so I just want you all to know something that uh, Ronan Farrow, intrepid reporter, he only has two settings, off and 1,000%. <laughs> and when he's in between scoops, it's like, um, it's like when Cyclops accidentally removes his glasses in X-Men and that laser beam just like burns through a skyscraper. You know what I mean? And it's like, he'll point it at anything. He'll point it at like restocking websites to find PS5s and OLED fucking Nintendo Switches. He'll point it at like different colors for picture frames. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? Hi, my name is Beth. Beth. I'm wondering... Question? What kind of mental preparation are you going to have to do to go home and face Pundit after your hard take tonight? Oh, that's a great question. Here's the good news. She's a dog. She has absolutely no comprehension of where I go or what I do. She doesn't understand fucking any of it. She really has very simple concepts about the world. Safe, food, hungry, love, pet. Those kinds of things, um, which is one of the great qualities about a dog. Um, I will say I think sometimes the discourse about are there aliens and are they visiting and what are they up to is a kind of hubris in believing that we actually could comprehend what they're up to because, like, we're basically the same as a dog evolutionarily, right? Like, we're so close to each other, and dogs can't understand anything we do. And it is quite possible that whatever aliens are here as, are as far from us as we are from earthworms. Try explaining taxes to an earthworm. It's impossible. <laughs> and so, just as I think Pundit can't understand what I did tonight, which I agree was a harsh thing to say about a dog I love dearly, in the same way the aliens watching this show, show now have an agenda that is not just unknown to us, but ultimately completely, impossibly, uncomprehensible to us in a way we can never understand. But she's still an angel. We need a wholesome palate cleanser when we come back. The high note. And we're back. Okay, let's end on a high note. Hi, love it. My high note this week is that I managed to secure a 20% raise for my job because I do it very well, and my boss knows that and doesn't want to lose me. I am using that raise to start monthly donations to both Wisconsin Dems and Run for Something because I trust Ben Wickler and Amanda Littman more than any other Dem in this whole damn country asking for my money. P.S. I still think you drive a Jeep and not a Tesla. Thank you, and see you again in Portland, Oregon, hopefully soon. Yes, I stutter. It brings me closer to Biden. Bye. Hi, love it. My name is Alex from uh, Quincy, Massachusetts, and my high note for the week is that this is the one-year anniversary of my babies coming home from the NICU. I gave birth to them at 31 weeks after finding out that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had died, so their birthday is the literal 3 a.m. day after her death. Uh, I had found out I was pregnant with them uh, right before the pandemic started and then was working in clinics for seven months during the pandemic. It's been a really hard year, but I'm so happy that they're doing well and that uh, we're all doing well. Thanks so much. Hey, love it. My high note of the week is that my husband, Reggie Harris, became the first openly gay black man to be elected to public office in the history of the city of Cincinnati, Ohio, when he was elected to Cincinnati City Council last week. 
As a first-time candidate, Reggie finished third in a huge field of 35 candidates behind two incumbents where the top nine vote-getters are elected. Democrats won eight out of nine seats, and we also elected our first Asian-American mayor, Aftab Puraval. Ohio may be turning red, but this once conservative town has elected its most progressive and diverse slate of leaders in its history. I love it or leave it, listeners. My high note is that I am a medical student, and um, I live in a pretty Republican area right now where I'm doing all of my clinical rotations. And it's been a little tough uh, with the patient population and with all of the physicians that I'm working with. Um, but my high note is that I was working with a Republican physician the other day, pretty conservative, um, and I was a little bit nervous about seeing how he would interact with patients. And I got to watch him talk one of our patients into getting the vaccine, and it was such an inspiring moment. He did an excellent job of talking the patient into getting the vaccine. He gave them objective data. He was fair. He was balanced. And as confusing as his principles may be, he succeeded in getting one extra person in this world vaccinated. And it was pretty inspiring. So that's my high note. Thank you so much to everybody who sent in those high notes. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, you can call us at 213-262-4427. That is our show. Thank you to Guy Branham, Senator Patty Murray, Solomon Giorgio, and everybody who left a high note. There are 353 days until the midterm elections. Have a great weekend. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our senior producer. Hallie Kiefer is our head writer. Jocelyn Kaufman, Colby Gunalan, and Peter Miller are the writers. Our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Bill Lance is our editor, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Marissa Meyer, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Nar Melkonian and Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote for filming and editing video each week so you can.